you know, it's interesting. Each week is just an incredible array of different artists that we have. And, and uh, today really kind of takes the cake because the amount of hats that this next gentleman wears in all that he is talented at doing and all that he does do is absolutely awe-inspiring. John Douglas, check this out, has been in the music industry for many, many years, but he's the guy to custom design and paint drum sets and guitars for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Van Halen, ZZ Top, Pantera, Aerosmith, Anya, Seven Dust, Guns N' Roses, and so many, many more. He's also been the drum tech for Alex Van Halen, Tico Torres, Joey Kramer, Brent Fritz, Frank Beard, and many more. And his careers as artist and drum tech are very much intertwined. His paintings hang in hotels, in galleries around the world. So joining us from Houston, Texas, please welcome John Douglas. Hey, how are you, Dom? Great to see you. John, great to see you too, man. I know we, we had talked about it beforehand that we met many, many years ago in Houston. Yep. Drum, keyboard, and guitar shop. That's incredible. That had to be, yeah. was that, that in the 80s at some point? Yep, yep, yep. The mid-80s, maybe late 80s, the Keith Carnegie shop there. I think you came through with our buddy uh, Joe Hibbs. Absolutely. In, in clinic for us. Yep, rest yeah. in peace. Joe Hibbs, man. That's got to be 35-plus years ago, man. Well, it's fantastic. <laughs> We're still here, kicking. We are still here, you, and, and, and I think sometimes I'm still here just for spite. <laughs> I just Whatever it to... takes. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that you really have, there's so much I want to talk about here, that, you know, you know, from your art, from painting, from drum teching, from performing, there's so many aspects that I want to get into with you here, because you really have this incredible skill just behind you, and we'll get into further, just the art of what you do is just so deep, John, and so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk about let's talk about the performing part. Okay. Your first teching gig was with ZZ Top. And how did that touring gig come out? How did that go from tech to tour? I never, ever, ever considered being a drum tech. I just I wanted to be a drummer since before I could remember. My mom would tell me I was, you know, banging pots and pans and stuff before before I could walk, you know, and as soon as I could take it in school, uh, I did. So I took, I took band in, in all through school, uh, marching band and all that stuff, uh, while I was playing in rock bands behind the scenes. And so, uh, so drumming for me was, has always been the most primal, the, the deepest first love and, uh, art right behind it. So, um, so I started, it's a long story, but I started painting my drums because I wanted my drums to look cool. So I know this is a long-winded answer because I started painting drums for Joe, I'm uh, sorry, for Frank Beard here in, in Houston. His band would come see my band play uh, and my, my drums were painted. And he said, hey, your drums are cool. Who did that? And pretty soon I was painting drums for him. So so fast forward when the, the band I was playing with in the, in the early 90s called Kick Tracy kind of uh, imploded or fizzled out or however you want to word it. I came back to Texas and uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. And Frank was like, Hey, come, come be my drum tech, man. We'll see the world and, you know, have a good time. And I was like, I don't know, man, setting up somebody else's drum so they can play. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, but I didn't really have any, anything, any other good prospects. You know, I had, uh, I had a daughter and I needed to make some money and I was just kind of like, and I knew Frank because I at that point I'd been painting drums for him for five or six years. So I knew his kit 
you know, I knew his uh, setup, but I'd never teched at all ever before just for myself. So uh, I got thrown in kind of the, the deep end to, to, to uh, cause they, you know, doing major arenas around the world. And so I started teching for him and uh, you know, it was parts of it. I love parts of it. I hate, which, you know, that's life. Yeah. Uh, I hate being a strong word, but then, you know, parts of it are, my favorite and parts are not so my favorite, but, um, so yeah. So since then I've just been, uh, doing, still juggling all the same thing. Never really, I, I don't, I tech, you know, I'm gone maybe average, maybe six months of the year, obviously pre COVID. Uh, and then I, my art, you know, fills in the gaps when I'm painting, uh, not only canvases, but, uh, you know, painting drums for other, other players and, and allows me to stay home maybe more than your average road guy. Yeah. Uh, Cause I have a wife and kids and, and, and a life at home. So a long answer of, well, that's, that's, that's how I got into it. That's incredible. So let's, let's go back a little, a little further before okay. because you're playing drums. How old were you when you started playing drums and, and what got you involved in drumming? I don't know how old I was, but I started officially in fifth grade. So I don't know how, I don't know how old that was. It's like, that's when I, that's when I got a snare drum and uh you know rudiments and that's when i started band in public school and we just didn't have obviously this is you know way before internet and youtube and and uh mtv and everything so the only place i knew to learn drums was at school and um then that's what i did so i learned you know to read music and to you know and then once marching took place in high school i did four years of of marching band with, you know, obviously uh, drum corps type stuff. And, and uh, I love that, uh, even though in the Texas heat, it was a bit much, but uh, so that's, and again, I, I, everything I learned there, I applied to the drum kit and then just listening to records. I learned to play drums to all my favorite records, classic rock of the seventies and eighties or whatever in my room. So did you have any lessons? Was there anyone that was giving you lessons or guiding you along the way? I, I, I remember t uh, taking, I took a few lessons uh, one summer in high school, um, but I didn't, we didn't really have a lot of money. So that was an extravagant thing. I think I forego, I, I didn't go to like a summer camp that all my brothers and sisters would go to. I was like, I don't want to go to camp. I'm going to take some drum lessons. And so that's what I did. And, uh, I wish I could remember my teacher's name, but you know, we would just, I, I, it was, it was beneficial and any, any, anything you can learn is beneficial, you know? So, uh, I, I would go to a lot of concerts. I saw a lot of great bands and to me, those were private lessons, not private, but, uh, I was studying, you know, the drummer playing the songs that I listened to at home, you know, and watching him do it. And just a student, uh, of the craft of, of, of playing drums in a live live setting again you know rock being my my thing your core so what was it yeah. like what was it like guys that you were listening to who, who were some of the drummers that you were being influenced on recordings or in concerts um it's it started pretty uh because i had older sisters and older i was a baby of five kids so i grew up on like the carpenters and stuff my sister all my sisters would listen to the carpenters and i would hear that and um which, you know, Karen Carpenter was a fantastic singer and drummer. She was which, a solid drummer, and, and Hal Blaine yeah. played a lot of those recordings. That's right. And so, of course, I didn't know any of that because, again, there was there was no 
Wikipedia or nothing that, you know, uh, but Carpenters. And then I, and then I became an Elton John fan. So Nigel Olson, I loved what he did uh, in the big, to me, he invented the power ballad, you know, big flams on the toms and, and uh, great stuff. And then, you know, I was bitten by the, the kiss bug, you know, uh, much to my parents' horror, you know, was, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I actually bought my first Kiss album because I wanted to draw them, you know, because they look like comic book characters. And it's like, oh, yeah, I want to I want to draw these guys. And then I put the needle on and and then it, so it was so it was Kiss was really like the first real rock thing that I, I gravitated to. And then when I got into high school, marching band as a freshman, all the senior drummers were into Rush yeah. and I never even heard of Rush, but I wanted to fit in with the senior drummers. Right. So uh, the high school years was like all about Rush and Neil Peart. And, you know, so my, my, every high school band I played in uh, outside of, you know, every rock band had to suffer through me playing <laughs> gigantic Neil Peart fields in, in, you know, in a cheap trick song or whatever, just overplaying times 10 you know, and I got double bass and, you know, as many toms as I could afford. And that's when I started refinishing my drums because I couldn't afford, I had an orange sparkle five piece. I couldn't afford to order another orange sparkle kit. So I would get a used red sparkle drum at Keith Carnegie's used drum shop we were talking about. And and the artist in me was like, ah, I didn't want a jelly bean kit. I, so the first thing I did was I took the drums apart and I wrapped them in, in chrome contact paper, this shelf paper. Chrome took them apart, and so they all matched, and they looked chrome. That was my first uh, dipping my toes in in drum customizing, and then I was painting the logos of my bands on my kick drum heads. I was doing all that in high school and hanging weird stuff. So, where did the painting part come? Where did that artistic side come in? When did you discover that, and when did you start doing that? Yeah, I, I, I art. I, I've always enjoyed it. I would draw at home. You know, I'm not, I, my brother would want me to go out and play football with him. And I was like, yeah, I'll stay in here and listen to kiss and, and draw, you know? So, um, so it was pencil and pencil on paper, but portraits, uh, black and white paint, you know, drawing people was my, was my thing. And, um, and still is my thing. Now I just paint instead of draw. Um, so again, it was a, a natural progression for me to, to uh, and I and I like to take things apart, so it, I was not afraid to take my drums apart and switch hardware out and 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 uh, and like I say, refinish the drums. And then once I started, once I learned to take the chance of of paint, uh, I figured out you know what to paint, what kind of materials. It was a long process because again, pre-internet, that you know, so I had to find out the materials to use and the right spray guns and learn learn what to use and, and started in my, so paint, just paint again, just wanted my drums to look cool. Uh, so in always doing art in every band, I mean, always needed, you know, guess what? You need a logo, you know, you need, somebody needs to do some show posters. So there's always art involved in playing in a band, yeah. you know, so I've always designed t-shirts, whatever, you know, so I've always done both and, you know, obviously combining the two with painting on, on the drum shells themselves was a natural progression. Yeah, well, this is what's interesting is, you know, you were with Alex Van Halen since 1998. Yeah. So he's known for having these these beautiful drum kits that are eye-catching and just absolutely gorgeous the way, they, the way they are, for sure. So where, you know, how many kits have you done for Alex and how'd you collaborate on that with Alex? Um, 
Whew, how many have I done? Well, look at this. These are beautiful kits that we're looking at right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I've probably done four, at least four, five, six for him. You know, I mean, uh, I've done way more. I've done over 20 for Frank Beard at ZZ Top. His his stuff is quite literally over the top. Uh, yeah. But for Frank, for Alex, uh, I've done a few a few paint jobs. He's not so much into the custom paint on the shelves, but he does have the unique setups with the kick drums and just unique, uh, you know, racks. And it's, I know I keep using that word unique, but I, you know, I think he's a unique player and it, and it was very inspirational to me growing up, going to see Van Halen and, and uh, the, the over the top production and just larger than life and extreme and, and uh, it was just so, inspirational and I learned to play drums to those albums and, and uh, yeah, the the kids are, so I mean, to answer your question, it's, it's, it's when I'm teching for somebody, then, uh, you know, building the kits, like a lot of times I'll paint the kits here at home in Texas and I'll ship them out to LA where, where Van Halen will rehearse. And then I'll set him up uh, with just with uh, everything on stands and they start rehearsal and I'll build a rack around them while while they're rehearsing um, and after they rehearse and, and and build the rack and try to do creative things within that and in in conjunction with you know his vision of what he what he wants and needs as a player obviously that's job one to give him what he needs absolutely so what about someone like Joey Kramer because you know Joey working with Joey I mean even the the crystal kits I mean <laughs> serious some serious work of art there. Yeah, thank you. I mean, uh, yeah, Joey, when we lead up to a a, a tour, you know, uh, he'll call me and say, hey, you know, uh, I need a new kit. And, you know, hopefully he, he thinks pretty much in advance, which is good because not everybody does. So we'll order the drums in, in advance and maybe we'll talk about what to do. So he wanted to he wanted to do the, the crystal kits. Actually, the first crystal kit, I should say, I, that I ever did for anybody was for Alex Gonzalez of Mana. Uh I've been doing drums for Alex since 1991. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, and so he came to me, he's all, he's a fantastic drummer and a great guy. Um, and, and he always has a real strong idea with what he wants. And he came to me, I think it was, I think it was 2012. He said, okay, I want to do these crystals on, on the, on a black kit. And, um, and he had the, the symbolism that he wanted. And I said, okay, I think you should do, let's get maximum, you know, it's usually a, a um, what do you call it? Uh, we work in conjunction together. You know, sometimes they have a strong idea, like Alex uh, Gonzalez will have a strong idea, and then you know I have to share his vision, and maybe I'll make some suggestions as to how to do it and what to do it. And then I had to figure out, so uh, you know, what kind of glue to use. So I had to do some test stuff because I, you know, we didn't want him playing and having all those Swarovski crystals. It would look cool, but only once, <laughs> only that night. <laughs> so. Um, anyway, so I, so fast forward when Joey called and said, you know, I really want to do a bling kit bling. I said, like, well, you know, Swarovski crystal. I sent him pictures of the Mana kit that I did. He goes, that looks great. I said, I said, okay, well, I don't want to do that because I've already done that. I, you know, I don't want to do something that I, I've already done. So I understand you want, you want crystals. So how about we do it on a clear kit, you know? And, um, and so he liked purple, so he chose the color the color of the purple, and I and I, uh, I came up with an idea to do this 
kind of a kind of a retro looking finish with a kind of a uh, what do you call that? Was that pronounced Duco? Is that Duco? Duco? What is that? Duco. You know what I'm talking? About? Yeah. yeah, it is Duco. Yeah, yeah. So I, I based it off of that, which is kind of a you know. A, that's a paint job, but yeah. I did it with crystals. And, and, um, so yeah, that's like, that was like about 40 or 50,000 Swarovski crystals glued on there one at a time, yeah. one at a time. Incredible. So, and you could, I can only do it at, for like three hours at a clip before your, your eyes go across, you know, it's just like, Oh, and then you have to walk away and take a break and come back and do it again. And there's, there's just no shortcut, <laughs> you know? So. And someone like Frank Beard, what was it like working with some of his stuff? Yeah, Frank. Frank is again, again, has been my longest uh, client. Uh, tech, you know, teching and and uh, early on, you know, he had ideas, and we would same thing. We would bounce ideas back and forth, and then uh, because uh, because a there's Easy Top, so visually they do some crazy stuff that no other band gets away like that, like mat matching jackets and matching guitars and stuff. Yeah, a rock band doesn't do that. That's like, that's the, the, the Commodores or something, but you know, but ZZ Top gets away with that. And so that there, I played, I painted both the bass and the guitar and the drums and I built those mic stands. So ZZ Top, they, they give me a lot of a creative freedom. Uh, so anymore, Frank likes to be totally surprised. Uh, you know, I've been doing it. We have a long relationship now, so he, he trusts me. But he likes, he goes, man, I don't, I don't want to see it. I don't want to. So I, I, I'll do the whole thing and he won't, I, I'll deliver it to a rehearsal or sometimes on a show day. And he has no idea what's coming. So, uh, and he likes that. And, you know, he kind of jokes, he says more of the, he goes, man, the, the less I'm involved, the better you are, the better. Yeah. You, you know. So, uh, but again, that's, you know, after uh, what, 30, 30 plus years of, of uh, doing stuff together. So um, it gets pretty 3d elements and stuff. Like you show that picture where I put like whiskey barrels or spinning yeah. wheels and light up drum. I mean, it's, it goes way beyond paint. Paint's the easy part. Where does, where does this inspiration come from? How, how do you dig deep into your soul to think about what you want to do? And even though you get ideas from them, you know, this it's the synergy. You get some ideas. The bottom line is you got to start to put some stuff down that, You've got to present to them. Where does that creativity come from? Man, where does it ever come? You know, uh, you know, from above, and and, and I get, I get ideas from everywhere. You know, could be uh, your magazines are now online. Uh, you know, unrelated. Certainly, a lot of the a lot of the stuff comes from the hot rod world. A because I'm into it in ZZ Top. A big part of their thing is you know it's it's, it's cars and girls and guitars and you know so hot rod. Um, uh, sometimes parts or paint jobs or just that whole culture, you yeah. know, will 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 cross over in, into what I do for them because uh, I've done you know like spark plug symbol toppers and you know kind of uh, like the the mic stands that I did for Billy and Dusty were you know literally I'm dri I'm driving across town and you know the the uh, heat shield of a smokestack of a semi truck that's that's where that idea came from. It's like, oh, that's cool. That would make a cool mic stand. <laughs> you know, so uh, I just did it. And then we we put an LED tube inside of it and it glows through the perforated holes. And, you know, so I got to figure out how to do all that. That's the hard part. Um, but so, you know, and then like you talk about 
the, the, the last kid I did for ZZ, which was 2019 for their 50th anniversary, you know, Frank said, I, you know, do, I want to do a kit for the 50th anniversary. That's all he gave me. So, you know, I'm like 50th anniversary. Okay. That's, I look it up, you know, it's, that's called gold, the gold, golden anniversary. So that's where I thought, okay, I'm going to do something. First I thought gold paint and I'm like, yeah, that's not good. So uh, I did everything in 24. Oh, that's just, that's the drum right there. This is, this is all stars as a, as a, you know, a star classic drum and I, I paint it black and then I, I laid out all the artwork and, and then did it in, in 24 karat gold leaf and then put, obviously put a clear coat on it. So that's, so that's kind of, uh, gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, it's like, that's 24 karat gold and he's, he used a lot of drums and then I, I'm also, but again, with ZZ top, it doesn't, it doesn't end with paint. I, I got to think of other three dimensional elements. And so like, I kind of thinking, okay, 50 years, that's a long time. What, you know, I'm thinking what's, what's good. Oh, a aged beef. Okay. I don't know how I'm going to work beef, uh, you know, a slab of meat into this deal. But so I thought, okay, whiskey, whiskey is aged. Like you, it's supposed to be, I'm, I'm not a drinker, but uh, you know, I think it's part of the process of aging. So I thought, oh, I'm going to put whiskey barrels on the front of the kick drums. And so I research and I find these small whiskey barrels and I, I order it, it comes to the house and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to cut this in half. Well, barrels are not designed to be, they don't like to be cut in half. <laughs> they bust apart. They're held together by all this. Well, the rig. Oh, yes. And I did not know that. So you cut it in barring. And so then I had to reconstruct half of them anyway. It's, I love it. I love figuring out how to do all this stuff. And, uh, and then the simple toppers, I don't know if you can tell they're uh, yeah, I 3d printed these, it's like a cylinder from a, a six shooter, you know? So it's again, it's kind of this wild west, uh, you know, aged whiskey thing with the gold, 24 karat gold leafing. And then I built that, that rack, you know, and I built that long drum. And at the end of the drum, I put, there's bullets on the bottom. You know, so I get to run wild and it's, it's great. I love that. If I didn't know any better, I would have think, I would think you drank the freaking whiskey. <laughs> then you freaking I should have. But I didn't. <laughs> now, what's what with the ZZ Top girls? You haven't painted any girls yet, have you? Mm -hmm. You have. You mean physically or girls on the drum set? Physically. Have you painted any girls physically yet? Uh, uh, you mean you talking about body paint? Body, yeah, the body paint that that's okay. Early on, early on, when I just started uh, airbrushing. Again, I think this was like the late 80s or something. I was just, I got a call to do that, to do body painting for a local gentleman's club. They were doing a calendar photo shoot. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't have the confidence. I'm like, I don't know what paint to use. You know, I'm sure I would be like nervous, you know, trying to paint on this body. And uh, I kind of went, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I'm your guy. Um and I've you know spent the last thirty five years going oh I missed it because <laughs> I've never got the call again. <laughs> Tell me about the Tico Torres kit. Tico's a dear friend and he's a phenomenal, phenomenal drummer. What was that kit like? Uh, I guess you're talking about the the uh, the American flag kit, the nine yeah. eleven. Yeah, the nine eleven kit. So yeah. at that point, I had never even met Tico. Obviously, I knew who he was, but uh, Mike Ferris at Pearl. Um, obviously, we were all shocked and in more, you know, 9-11 happened, right? So X number of, when I, I forget the timeline, but all, you know, all of a sudden uh, they were going to put on this benefit concert at Madison Square Garden, the concert for New York. Yeah. 
and they threw it together. Like, I think it was within a month of nine 11. I'm not sure about the timeline, but, but Bon Jovi was going to play. And so uh, Mike Ferris at Pearl said, Hey, we want to do, you know, maybe like an American flag or something on the drums. And I had like, I think maybe four days to do this kit. And that was a big kit, you know, so Pearl ships overnights the drums to me here in, in Texas. And I had to, you know, I thought, and, you know, okay, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to do it waving and in, like a flag was draped over the whole kit, not an individual flag on an individual drum. I try to look at the, I try to visualize the kit set up and I want my artwork to make sense with the kit is set up on stage, not just a single drum with some single artwork, you know? So, so that's part of the process. I think that's where I get a, a maybe a, a, a leg up over maybe other guys that just paint. I'm a drummer and I know, you know, I'm going to find out where, how these drums are going to set up. I'm going to know which side faces the audience. You know, it matters when you set it up, it matters where these drums are going to be placed. And then at the last minute I thought kick drum heads, I, I, I did two different one. I did, I did the American flag spilling over and I thought, I didn't really care for that. And I had time. So I, I thought of this, you know, statute of Liberty face on the, on the drums, which was to me the fa my favorite part of that, because it just kind of, I still look at it and I know it's kind of dark in that picture. That's on a NAM show floor after, after the fact. Um, but it just kind of, that Statue of Liberty face was just kind of, to me, it was just kind of sad, which, which, uh, you know, after nine 11, which is pretty much how we all felt. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a woo, tight, tight deadline working around the clock for to you know, obviously we had I had to get it done and so we actually did two I did that one and then later in the year Bon Jovi was going to do the closing ceremonies at the Olympics and uh, they wanted another kit just like it so I had a little more time to do that second one where, um, where where are those kits now well the first one got auctioned off as part of the as part of that charity event the concert for New York I don't know who I don't know who owns it somebody bought it who knows where it ends up and I think the same thing with the other one, because when I when I did meet Tico, I tech I started working for him. I did a couple Bon Jovi tours in 2017 and 18. Uh, I know he doesn't have it, so I think they were both auctioned off for charities, uh, which is great. So I don't know somebody's somebody's got them somewhere. Hopefully set up and not just stacked in the garage. <laughs> oh, that would be a shame for sure. But that's yeah, beautiful. So let's talk Thank about you. drum drum teching now. Drum, you, when, okay. when drum teching. You, you got involved in drum teching. Listen, when you're drum, when you're doing this, it's all roads lead back to you. You got to know the gear. You got to know how to set it up. If something does happen to fail for whatever reason, it comes back to you. How do you deal with the whole drum teching mentality? Well, yeah, it's it's uh, again, I never set out to be a tech. You know, um, I think most of us are techs without knowing it when we're starting out. We should set up our own drums and fix our own drums, and so I certainly did a lot of that again as i said earlier i i wasn't afraid to take drums apart and learn how how they how they function and how to how to troubleshoot how to repair because i had to you know and when i graduated high school i went on the road with a with a with a cover band and i played you know uh, almost four years five nights a week four years straight you know that's where you really learn not only to be a good musician, you know, that's the first time I ever heard the word meter and, you know, and tempos and well, I knew tempo, but, but meter and, and just playing with a, with a band. And I, I, I lucked out and got with this band that the guys were all older than me, but very, very experienced. And so I learned so much in it, as you know, probably most of us know, boy, if anytime you can play with guys that are way better than you, you, you really, 
rise. They, yeah. they, you know, and that, that was such a huge uh, learning experience for me. But part of that was, was teching because I'm playing five nights a week rock, you know, three one hour sets or four 45 minute sets every night, stuff that's going to break and stuff. I'm going to learn what works and what doesn't work. What do I need? How do I maintain it? So things don't, don't break during the show, you know, change heads before they break and what, you know, all the ins and outs and, you know, drums is all about nuts and bolts and making sure they don't rattle and fall off. And, you know, so uh, I learned by, you know, by being a drummer. And so the philosophy I, I take with, with teching now is I, I don't know anything about sports, but my, my analogy is I, I feel like I'm a, as I understand it, the golfing, which I don't golf, the caddy is very important to a golfer. He observes and makes recommendations maybe based on the, the distance or the wind or whatever he's, he observes and he make, that's kind of how I feel. I, I, I'm not happy just setting up the drums and sitting and then tearing down the drums. And it's like, I, I, I observe like how he's playing or what sound or what he's going for. Is there a better way that I can do this? Is there a better way? Can I do something that makes his job easier or more fun or, or looks cooler? You know I mean? How can I get that splash symbol where he wants it, but how can I do it with, less hardware or, you know, because the visual thing is, is very important to me. I, I look at drums as like sculpture. I still love drums. There, if there's drums in a room, it's like, I'm tractor beam. And when I see a guy's kit, you know, if I walk into a, a venue and nobody's playing yet, but I see the drums, I'm totally judgmental. I, I, want, I look at the, how, what, the angle of the symbols and the, the how it's set up. And, you know, it's like, I, I'm very critical and, and, and uh, but I love it. You know what I mean? I, and I get it, we're all different you know, how you set up is different than me. And I'm, you know, I totally embrace that. Yeah. I just, I just try to, I know I'm all over the map here, but again, I don't, it's hard for me to separate the drum tech me from the drum me from the artist me because they all interplay with each other. So a big part of the, of, of setting up a drum kit is just that it's like, I want it to be aesthetically pleasing, even if it doesn't have custom paint. Yeah, but I mean, you you know the gear so well, but it's kind of the, the, the next step is how do you know paints? I mean, if you're if you're customizing a set, how do you know how paints work with each other or on the surface that you're dealing with? How do you have to figure yeah. out? Trial and error. <laughs> I mean, it was trial and error because here's the first thing I learned, and they, I think still today, I think they call every drum kit that's not wrapped. They call it a lacquer finish, right? I, I know they did when I was working retail. Oh, you want a lacquer drum. Okay. So obviously when I started painting, I thought, okay, well, it's got, must be lacquer. So, um, and I'm sure it used to be, but it really is no longer. And so the first few kits I did, I did with lacquer. And I learned that it's, uh, then somebody told me at a, uh, you know, I was hanging out at a, a car repair, repair place. Cause that's where I, it was automotive lacquer. And he goes, you should be using urethane and i'm like oh yeah what's you know and then you buy a can of automotive urethane and the directions say for professional use only <laughs> so which i was not so uh again trial and error you got to learn how to what materials to 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 buy and it's very crazy expensive and crazy uh, uh deadly it produces isocyanates which you have to wear a supplied air face mask rep respirator you know, to, so you can breathe while you're doing this. And then the whole sanding and buffing, it was a, a long process to figure out how to get a drum 
to look like you know a showroom factory finish. Yeah. Trial yeah. and error. Yeah, but what what but what an amazing amount of experience that you go through in this process. But what's amazing about all these wonderful custom drum sets, they all sound differently. You know, Alex's kit sounds totally different than Joey Kramer's and Tico's. How do you work on making sure that they have their distinct sound with the kit? Well, you know, I mean, speaking of Alex, that is by far the most asked question primarily is his snare drum sound. He's kind of known for yeah. his his distinctive snare drum sound. And uh, and, there, and <clears throat> there really is no, now I have no real secret. I mean, I, I, Certainly, there's there's a sound that he wants to hear in his head. As as most of us, we tune things. So that's how you, Dom. You, that's how you. This is where I want my snare drum. You know, that's that's the sound I hear in my head. I need that drum to give me that sound. So certainly, I have those parameters for Alex. But since I've been with him, he has played every because he's a constant tone chaser. He's experimenting. You know, so he's played every drum from 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 the the old uh, Tom of Rosewood to Maple to uh, carbon fiber, to aluminum, to steel, to bronze, to hammered bronze, to every Ludwig drum, you know, all of these things, super sensitive, superphonic, uh, um, a fiberglass. And, and once they're set up and tuned where he wants them, they all sound like him. And when I play it, it sounds like me. <laughs> uh, now, when I play his drums at a sound check or something, that's probably the closest. I probably sound more like Alex Van Halen than I do if I'm playing my drums somewhere else. Right. But it's still there's something in, in how we all hit, we all play. I think if I played your kit, I would not sound like you. Absolutely. You know, I know the same is true with guitar players. You know, it's like and you know because I've worked I've worked with bands with you know uh, uh, with legendary obviously Van Halen legendary guitar players Billy Gibbons with ZZ Top legendary guitar tone and you know other guitar players would be like i gotta play through billy's rig i gotta play through and then they'd come to sound check and they'd play through billy's rig think they're gonna sound like gibbons they just they sound like themselves <laughs> you know and i think it's the same is true with with drums i mean it's it's you know especially when i am uh, the bands i work with primarily are big arena rock bands so you put a drum kit in a in a basketball or hockey arena and you mic it up and put it through a big pay. Now you're counting on the front of house guy, you know, more than anything else. Cause he can yeah. EQ a drum to sound great, bad, you know, everything in between. So I just try to give him, I try to get start starts with tuning, right. And, and head selection and then the way the guy plays. And then once that microphone gets introduced, absolutely. it's out of our hands, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's very, yeah. very so then you go on, you're doing this drum teching, you're designing some of their products. Then all of a sudden, it, you get into the playing end. You know, so <laughs> I, think, I think it was Again. first. Was it first with ZZ Top? Um, the, the, yeah, you're referring to like when I had to sit in. When you had to sit yeah, in. Yeah, play. yeah. It was first with ZZ Top, which is, you know, I'm sure I, I can't be the only one that grew up uh, with, the, with the fantasy of being at a concert, seeing my favorite band. Probably a lot of them were Rush fans of being at a Rush show and, you know, somebody coming out, oh, Neil's sick. Is anybody here, you know, know the show? You know, and of course, every drummer is going to be like that, you know. And um, so, but yeah, it's just a fantasy. I never really considered it. But we were on tour in in Europe with, with ZZ Top and Frank had 
uh, emergency appendicitis the night before a sold out show in Paris. And uh, I got a phone call in my hotel room that Billy Gibbons called me at like 2 a.m., which woke me up. And uh, he's like, uh, Mr. Douglas, time to step up to the plate. And uh, I'm like, what? And so let me tell you, when you're told by Billy Gibbons that you're going to play with ZZ Top the next night, you don't go back to sleep, you know? So, uh, so I'm up all night thinking, ah, oh, what, what, you know what I'm going to do. And so, yeah, that was the first time I played, I played three shows with, with ZZ Top um, in Europe. And uh, that was a crazy surreal. So the first night was, you know, I'm all jacked up on adrenaline and, you know, um, the songs all felt too slow. And then between songs all felt too fast because I'm trying to get a drink and towel off and catch my breath, you know, because playing a rock show, if you're not, you know, that's an athletic event, man. And I was, I hadn't been, I hadn't done it in a long time. I've been a drum tech. I play a couple songs at Soundcheck, big difference. So I'm playing the, all these tunes, but you know, it's like, and, and playing them for the first time, you know, with ZZ Top, looking at the Well, I think we're starting to lose you here in the process of uh, of what we have here. I think he's frozen. Are you back with us? Are you oh, back with us? It yeah. Like, it looks like the yep. internet's a little a little blurry on your end. I'm I'm not sure what's happening, but uh, but you're back. Can you got you're me? back now. Now you're back. Yeah. Sorry about that. No problem. So so in this here, so you you sit you're playing. Listen, like you said, this is an athletic achievement. I, I you know drummers today when they come to me to learn, I tell them I teach drumming Olympics. <laughs> you got to get yourself in shape to yeah. play a lot of these shows. So you finished that show and you did three different shows with them? Yes. Yeah. The second show, at the end of the first show, my hands were bloody. Every place you could have a blister had a blister because I'm all tense. You know, I mean, uh, so the hardest show was this show number two because I had I had to start the night with all those blisters. So, and I don't play in gloves. I don't like to play in gloves and uh, I didn't have any anyway. So the second night was the most painful and, uh, but you get through it, right? So, uh, and then the third show was a little bit, you know, a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, they, the, the, the blisters were the, the big uh, hurdle in that, fir that first time that happened. Again, I'm all uh, all tense. And how how was the third show? How did you finally you know you know get the third show? I, I think I, you know I I uh, I think there was a day off between show two and and three, so I had a little time to recover. And at that point, you know things were not fully healed, but a little bit. And of course, I taped everything up, and and uh, you know you just again you just you just soldier through because that's what you, what, what's your choice? There's there's no there was no plan C. I was plan B. There was no plan C. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so, so yeah, I did that with, uh, you know, three, three shows with ZZ Top. I was like, you know, how, how cool is that? And then you did, yeah. then what, what happened, what happened with Slash? Yeah. So, so, uh, whew, six or seven years later or something, we're in Russia. This is what Slash's first solo tour with the band that he's with now, Miles Kennedy on vocals and, uh, Brent Fitz playing drums and I had painted a drum kit. Oddly enough, I painted a drum kit for 
for Fitzy and we're out there and um, we go, we fly to Moscow. We have two shows left on the tour and we're in Moscow and it's a show day at about noon. Um, I'm checking out of the hotel to go to the gig and I get a phone call and it's Fitzy saying, Hey, can you play the show tonight? And I'm like, what's wrong with you? He goes, Oh, I'm fine. But Todd, our bass player has a detached retina. He's at the airport right now. He's got to go fly home and have emergency surgery. So I told Slash, I'll play bass and we'll get JD to play drums and we'll do this. And somehow Slash said, okay. And so uh, I'm like, okay. So we, uh, we, yeah, there's some pictures. Like how weird is that to, so I played two shows with Slash. I'm playing on Fitzy's kit, uh, which is a kit I painted uh, with a big 28 inch kick drum, which I love. But, and then I have Fitzy playing on bass, you know? So it was just like, I'm, I'm looking at the drummer yet. He's not playing bass and we're, I'm looking at the top hat on, on Slash. And it's like, we're playing, you know, Sweet Child of Mine or whatever. And it's like, it's, again, totally surreal uh, moment. And uh, so, yeah, we did, we did two shows and, and lived to tell about it. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it? Well, now you did, um, you started working with Joey Kramer and Aerosmith. But you also customized some guitars for Joe Perry. I did, yes. I painted the about twenty years ago. I painted the the the, the Billy guitar, which is a portrait of his wife on a Gibson uh, Lucille guitar. So um, that's how my relationship with Aerosmith began. Was actually through Joe Perry um, as an artist. You know, he had seen he had seen a drum kit that I painted for ZZ Top like five or six years earlier and somehow uh, tracked me down to paint that portrait of his wife on that guitar. There's you see a picture there on the, on the left. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a Billy guitar. So, so um, yeah, that's how I, that was my uh, introduction to Aerosmith um, working uh, or doing things for them. And I painted a, a bunch of drum heads and a drum kit for Joey after that, but I didn't start teching for him until I think like 2014 or something, 2015. Around that time. So now you're 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 you're, you're, you're subbing it for, for for Joey at this point. You're playing with the band, and then you see Joe come out with that same guitar <laughs> twenty years. Yeah, again, a, another surreal moment. Which you know, which uh, I, I know you use that word a lot, but it's it, how I don't know how else you just describe it. So you're you know, I'm 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 thrust into this position. Joey got injured. And they asked me to play again on a show day. No rehearsal. No nothing and no sound check even. So I'm thrown into the deep end again and uh, playing sold out shows in, in Las Vegas and to, to, to be playing again on a drum kit that I did, you know, for Joey and to be playing, you know, those songs with this iconic band. And then Joe, you know, I look and it's like that he's playing the guitar that I painted for him 20 years earlier. It's just, uh, you can't make that up, <laughs> you know? So, those are moments that you gotta, you gotta pinch yourself or I do, you know, uh, that, wow, is, is, is this happening? And now, now I look at these photos and I go, wow, did that, that I guess that really did happen. <laughs> yeah. That must, that must have been just, I mean, when you talk about surreal and just the intensity of it all, that must have been just absolutely a moment that, you know, you, you're talking about being in the moment, in the now, and and pinching yourself to see is this is this really freaking happening? I mean, Jesus! I know. And the, after that very first 
show again because it happened you know on, on, on a show day i got a call like three o'clock on a show day you know like you're you're i don't even know if they asked me i don't remember simpler but somehow i said yes and so i i, I played to, to play those songs and never played them before i just no no cover band that i was ever in in high school could play aerosmith so i didn't i didn't i didn't play those songs i had to learn them uh you know in front of everybody on the stage and so we finished that show and you know i think i think everybody's expectation i don't know what everybody was expecting I, expectations were low um but it was a, a miracle and, and no train wrecks and it, and it went off better than anybody expected including me and uh, I think it was Joe Perry who said, "Like, man, you're you were crazy. I can't believe you did that." You know, and I'm like, I don't know who's crazier, me for saying yes, or if you for letting me do it because you had no idea if I could pull it off or get through a show, or maybe I could. You know, again, we're talking about a, a marathon event. You know, it's like maybe I could have played two or three songs and run out of gas. You know, maybe I could, maybe I couldn't play at all. Once you get, you know, once you in the, once the curtain comes up and the lights hit you, I could have, they didn't know, you know, so it was, it was Yeah. Crazy. Did you make any changes to, uh, to Joey's kit when you sat down to play? Did you adjust anything? I did. The only thing I did was I sit pretty low. The only thing I did was I put another a drum thrown up and, and lowered it at my height. Everything else First of all, it felt disrespectful. I'm like, I'm not, this is not my gig. This is not my kit. I'm not going to, I'm not going to touch anything. Um, was my, was my train of thought. However, had anything been, you know, debilitating, meaning, you know, I, I that I couldn't do a good job. I would have, of course I would have had, it would be my, you know, I, I, I would have to change something to, to do the job that I was asked to do, which was, you know, get him through these, these shows. And so, but his kit was not all that different than mine. And, um, and you know, you, as you know, Don, you know, it's millimeters matter when you're setting up a kit, you know, your muscle memory of where that symbol is. And, you know, um, but I, 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 you know, I play his kit every day at Soundcheck for like two songs. So I knew where everything was. And again, it wasn't uh, all that different than a kit that I would normally play broad stroke wise. And it just, it, it just would have felt, uh, disrespectful to move anything in it uh, initially we had no idea that it was going to become what it, it became you know it's like he got injured i played a show then you know i played the sh next show and then it just it just it kept going you know so i ended up playing over 30 shows you know so it it, it did it, it it just kind of kept morphing so if, if i understand and who we had on the show before but mcgee became then from the <laughs> tech yeah yeah, McGee was out there as, as who's a you know a super qualified tech in his own right. He's just out there in another capacity. He's he's working for Joey, and then you know so once once I there's McGee right there. So uh, once I'm uh, playing drums, so uh, yeah, he he moves over and in, into to be my drum tech. So <laughs> there he is. Yeah, that's great. Um, so. Yeah, again, we just had to we had to make it up on the fly, and thank goodness, you know, he was there uh, to do that, and he put up with me because, you know, I don't know if that I'd want to, you know, be a drum tech for a drum tech, you know what I mean? Because, <laughs> but he's very gracious, and he did, a, you know, a great job, and you know, we had a lot of fun, and again, it was, you know, unprecedented experience that we were thrust into. 
So you really had to play, you know, like Joey's parts as close as possible because the band's been together for yeah, yeah. So they, they know the parts. Yeah. And Steven Tyler, from what I understand, is also a pretty good drummer. <laughs> yes, and he lets you know it. <laughs> but yes, you're right. I mean, again, I come from the school of, of of growing up, you know, learning cover tunes. I'm like, to me, the drum parts are just as uh, are just as important as the lyrics and the lead guitar part. You know, it's just as as a drummer, it's like I go see a band. I, I kind of want to hear what's on the record and, you know, maybe with some added, you know, some liberties in the live setting, you know, I, I'm okay with that, but, but, you know, there's so many, Joey Kramer has so many iconic parts and not only in and of themselves, but, you know, the band has come to rely on those things for, for cues. They know when they, when they hear this certain fill, it takes them to this section. And when they hear, you know, another certain fill, it takes them out of that section. So, I, I've been around long enough to to know that, so I had to hit those those corners so that again I'm there to facilitate to 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 do a good job for them and, and try not to embarrass myself. So I played it as close as I could to to what Joey again those iconic drum parts, you know. And and the longer I was there, you know, again the first few nights, I mean, I just like I hey man, I just got to get you through the show, you know, and. As the time went on, I, I I got I like to think I got better at learning learning the music and learning learning the nuances of what Joey plays and and uh, you know what to make to make the music what we what an Aerosmith fan would want to hear you know and but ultimately you know I mean I do I play how I play you know what I mean so it's gonna I, I do the best I can to emulate Joey playing those parts but you know it's it's we all we all play a little different where we hit that note and where we hit that drum. It's still yeah. your soul that is holding those sticks in your hand. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. So yeah. now did you also paint Steven Tyler's uh, portrait? Was that, was that something that I had seen? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. After, yeah, I did. Uh, after I played the first couple of shows with him, uh, with the band, you know, he's, you know, part of his his thing is he's up on the drum riser a lot. And he's, you know, he's interacting with Joey. Well, he did the same thing with me. He's used to doing, that's what he does. That's his thing. So, you know, he gets up on the drum rush with his back to the audience facing me, like leaning into the kid and he takes his mic stand and, you know, gets in my way basically and points, points to symbols. And, you know, he likes to challenge you. And it's, it's all part of the, you know, the onstage interplay of the bands. And, and so, so again, I had this, you know, surrealistic thing of like, ah, I'm on, I'm on stage with Aerosmith and Steven Tyler's, you know, in my face, sticking a microphone in my way and which I accidentally hit him the second night on the knuckle with the drumstick. And I think we all know that's very painful, but it was, <laughs> it was not intentional. So, so I thought after that first experience, you know, and again, I thought, I thought, well, that was it. I played two nights with Aerosmith. That'll never happen again, but woo, I did it, you know? So I, uh, we had a couple of weeks off. So uh, I paint most of my paintings I do in my hotel room, you know, on the road. So um, I started painting that portrait of him kind of, you know, it's, it's he's leaning in. Yeah. Like in, in somebody's face. But for me, it was like he's leaning into my face uh, while I'm trying to, you know, play with the band kind of kind of from from what, how I felt sitting in the drum chair, you know. So, yeah. And he, he loved it. He liked it. What a fantastic portrait. It just, it just <laughs> Great vivid imagery that you were able to capture. It looked Thank like you. a snapshot to a certain degree, which is fantastic. Thank you. Now let's talk just a second about about the uh, the Vader MV10 model that you play. 
How do you feel when you put that stick in your hand? You're on now. You're on stage, man. You're cranking <laughs> along with these bands, and you got Vader alongside helping you out. Yeah, I mean, thank goodness Chad sent me. You know, I asked him. That's one thing that you know again, with bands like uh, you know, Aerosmith and whatnot that 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 they typically don't do sound checks. So the crew, we we do a sound check, and a drumstick is so as you know, it, it's so personal. You know, the the weight, the diameter, how it feels in your hands. That's where it's like, you know, uh, Chad had sent me. Uh, the MV10, which is my my choice of stick, and I had those, and I would just use my sticks at soundcheck because it's again, it's that that's what I like in my hand. So thank goodness I had those when uh, when this when this opportunity landed on my lap at three o'clock on a show day. There's no way I would have, you know, if I'd have had to do that with with a, a with Joey's stick, you know, and again, it's kind of like. It's so personal. I'm like, ah, man, I, I'm so grateful that I had those. And um, there's just something about that model. I think it's a marching stick. I don't know. It's pretty, you know, a lot of people think, ah, it's like, I think actually Chad, uh, it's a Brando there came and saw, saw me play one time. And he's like, Hey, you're, you're slinging those tree trunks or something. Uh, <laughs> but, but to me that, you know, I don't, it's just the size of my hand. It's like, it, 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 it actually helps me relax. If I'm playing a, a skinnier stick, I feel like I have to hold it too tightly. Yeah, yeah. And and then I get blisters and, you know, so, so in, in the weight, I really, you know, I also like a, a really long stick. Those are, I think are 17 and a quarter or something like that. I, I, I have long arms and I like, I like a, a long stick. There's just something about it for me. That's the perfect stick. It's got a nice solid, you know, shoulder and it's, it's beefy and, and, you know, cause I, I'm a rock drummer. So I just need, I need some heft to to swing absolutely and, and <laughs> vader really gives us the options that you know you know whatever size your hand is your feel the thickness of your fingers the length of your arms they have so many great options that can comfortably fit to your style and your grip that you need boy that's great that you found that for yourself yeah i'm so again i was so grateful that that uh that i had those with me and that i that i have a stick that is consistent you know, it doesn't the next one feels like the one I just had. You know, it's uh, and and I also I love all their little gadgets, the little stick holders and uh, all that stuff, drink holders. I have, uh, you know, um, I keep all that stuff in my workbox or whatever drummer I'm working for. I was like, hey, this is what you need to use. This is the cool stick thing. And again, it makes you know, I have them on my left and right because I never know which which stick is going to break or fly out of my hands. Not that Vader sticks break or anything like that. But <laughs> if I drop a stick or whatever, I'm going to, you know, I can grab one over here. You can position it exactly right where it needs it to try to make those stick changes seamless. And because, you know, Murphy's law is it's going to, a stick, you're going to, a stick's going to fly away in the big fill, the big fill that everybody's watching you on. So God, I love it. Well, I know that very well. But I'll tell you something, John, you've got some great, great stories and an incredible career that you have built and continue with. It's really amazing. And I thank you for your time to thank share you. with us, have this opportunity, being able to just kind of step into your world. It's an amazing world. I mean, just so you know, there's probably a book in there somewhere. that you Because <laughs> this really is the dream of many, many different drummers to sit in with a band like that. And you've done it many times. So it really is incredible stories. It, uh, it really is. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's again, you can't make this thing up. I've been very fortunate in... And, you know, uh, I've worked for some of my idols, you know, to, to get to get to sit behind an Alex Van Halen or a Joey Kramer or Tico Torres and Frank every night is, you know, just that alone 
is uh, yeah, yeah, there's my there's Tico and Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden. Those guys are great. Um, so it's it, it is a thrill, and you know, I try not to ever get too jaded. You know, again, that could pinch me that I, I get this opportunity and certainly the opportunity to play with a band like Aerosmith is, you know, who ever would have guessed that could have happened? Not me. Well, you pulled it off and you succeeded at such the highest level and you brought great joy to thousands of people. And it sounds like, you know, you're, you're still in the cusp of creating more. And once we get past this COVID insanity, You'll be back on the road. You'll be doing it again. You'll be creating and painting and teching, and you're off and running. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, we'll, we, I can. I hope to never have to choose one or the other. I love drums, and I love painting, and I love painting drums, and I love, I love it all. So I appreciate the opportunity that I get to do. Uh, you know, I'm blessed to have that opportunity to get to do what I love. Boy, all these pictures that uh, that we're flashing right now. Look at this here. This is this incredible to have John Bon Jovi and he's great. He, this is incredible. The Kiss stuff. This is just beautiful stuff. Oh man, look at this, Charlie. Great. Charlie great. just had a big birthday. Yeah. He just turned the big eight zero, man. This yeah. Is and still playing better than ever. This is unbelievable. Look what you've done. Yeah. <laughs> a legacy that will be around forever. So with well, that touch of your soul to your hand, combined with your mind, what you put on on the drawings there have been, will be around forever. Really beautiful. Well, thank you. Much appreciated. Thank you so, thank much. You so much. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us here at Vader. And uh, hopefully at some point when we get past this COVID, when I'm out in your way, we'll get together in person. Uh, love to. Thanks, Tom. Fantastic, John. Take thank care. You so much. Incredible. What a story. John Douglas. I mean, this is incredible to, to hear his stories of what he did. This will be, again, played back throughout Facebook and YouTube, so you can check this out at the Vader channel. And it's just incredible to hear these, these anecdotes of backstage and painting these kids. This is beautiful. Next week, we're going to bring on, oh, man, bring it on, Anthony Michelli. You know, he's a phenomenal player and a phenomenal educator really one of the top guys in Canada. He's based out of Toronto, and he'll be around next week, June 15th, at um, 11 a.m. Pacific time, and of course, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for what we have. So come on, join us by Vader Drumsticks on Facebook, and uh, join us and be a part of it. This is so fantastic. Again, we'll be doing this. My gosh, this is great. Thank you all for joining me, and stay well, stay safe, and hopefully at some point, I'll see you around the globe real soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.